Welcome to the Crowd Church Podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Good afternoon and welcome to Crowd Church. Um, if uh, this is your first time here, my name is Matt Edmondson, if you don't know who I am. And beside me, for the first time, drum roll please, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is the beautiful, the talented, the all-round good egg, that is Mim Moorcroft. Mim, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks Matt. Yeah, thanks Very for good. that, the introduction. <laughs> and I meant every word, Mim. Now, I just saw Matt in the comments wrote that Mim keeps changing to mum on the autocorrect. Uh, and you said... Yeah. Uh, when you read that comment that that happens all the time is that right all the time i get people phoning me going hi mum like <laughs> that, no i'm just really next to mum in the phone book in your, <laughs> so yeah that's quite embarrassing awesome. yeah. That's awesome. you should totally wind people up and go hello dear <laughs> how you doing not that um, not that my mum sounds like that i just want to point that out right uh, I just want to be super clear. My mum does not sound like that. Um, but yeah, welcome. Welcome to Crowd Church. Uh, we are an online church. For those that don't know, we do all things digital. Uh, and uh, we're going to be here probably for the next hour um, just doing online church today. We are talking about worship, which is, uh, I'm not going to lie, um, Mim, why you're sat next to me. Because John Farrington and I were talking about who should host while we're talking about doing worship. And we went, oh, men would be great. So, Aww. yeah, thank you for joining us. No, it's a privilege to be here. Yeah. The topic I'm really passionate yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's helpful. Uh, it'd be a shame if you weren't. Why am I allowed? I don't want to talk about worship. I don't. I don't. Um, but no, it's great. And we're going to explain why Mim is here talking about worship. Mim, actually, it's probably worth explaining that now. You are part of Frontline. I've known you for a while now, a fair few years. Um, and all the while I've known you, you have been part of the worship team at Frontline, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've been at Frontline since 2004. Wow. And you know, part of the worship uh, teams and you know backing people or leading worship pretty much since I've been at Frontline so yeah it's a big passion. A big passion and apparently your husband is in the comments I can see that Mim Moorcroft is a hottie. <laughs> well I'm glad my husband thinks I'm a hottie that's you know. <laughs> yeah just to be clear he is the only person that can put that in the comments i just want to point that out um but yeah. <laughs> welcome andy it's good to see you now we were joking beforehand weren't we because andy is also a worship leader uh, and yeah. we were just i was joking actually say we me was predominantly joking saying do, is it in your house do you just sing all the time because you're both yeah. worship leaders yeah full of songs of the lord <laughs> i get my heart out Andy gets his loud crashing cymbals and yeah, yeah. We just make this lovely music <laughs> 24-7. <laughs> it's the worship zone. The worship zone. Very good. Yeah, we are actually real people, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy has to sort that beard out, so he has to take a break every now and again. Just to just because no, that is is a beautiful beard. Beard station takes up half of our bedroom. <laughs> 
that's awesome. Okay, the rest of us now want you to go take a photograph of said beard station and post on social media. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Andy, uh, Mim's husband, who I've also known for a while, has got this most amazing beard that I'm envious of. And I think just about every man out there is envious of. And uh, I, I saw him today with his mask on and I love the mask that comes down and covers the beard as well. You know, because yeah. the beard needs protection, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. We are, in fact, church. We are not here uh, to talk about grooming. Uh, but uh, let's get back to church business. Mim, what's going to happen today? Let's tell the good folks. So, yeah, today, Matt, we're going to have some worship to begin with, and then we're going to have a great talk by John Farrington. He's going to tell us what the Bible says about worship. We are going to have Conversation Street, which is where we discuss all about that amazing talk, and then we're going to have some worship to finish as well. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. One slight correction, if I may. We're going to have the talk first and then we're going to have the worship. But that's OK. That's OK. We're just going to do it that way around because that's the way it is on my system and I can't change it now. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do the talk. Now, John Farrington, uh, you will have if you are regular to crowd or you've been to crowd before, you will have come across Mr. Farrington before. Uh, John has kindly done this talk. What does the Bible say about worship? So we are going to get into that talk pretty much straight away. Then I'll be back um, after that to talk about the worship section. Then Mim and I are going to get into this whole conversation about worship. You are not going to want to miss it. Make sure you write any questions, comments as we go along in the comments uh, as we will get to them in Conversation Street. But for now, here is the legend, which is Mr. John Franklin asking the question, what does the Bible say about worship? Bible say about worship? Hello lovely people of Crowd Church. As with a lot of the topics that we've been looking at in the What Does the Bible Say About series, the Bible does indeed have a lot to say regarding worship. In one sense, the entire book is an instruction manual on how to worship God. Before we go any further, I think it would be appropriate to define what I mean by worship. What is worship according to the Bible? And I think there are two kinds that the Bible defines. There's number one, the act of worship, and number two, the lifestyle of worship. An act of worship to God is something that we intentionally do or say to place him above anything else in our lives, to declare that he is the most important. 
An example from the Bible of this might be when um, Mary Magdalene anointed Jesus with a perfume that was probably the equivalent to about a year's wages. Matt talked about that story on Remembrance Sunday a couple of months back. A lifestyle of worship is looking at every individual activity that takes place in your life and seeing if when you add them all together, whether God is ultimately exalted, lifted up and glorified by the way that you live. So how does the Bible say we should worship? Until Jesus came along, worship had become synonymous with sacrifices and burnt offerings. It was all about following the letter of the law that God had laid down for his chosen people, Israel. Now, this law was good. It was through the law that the Israelites were instructed on how to receive forgiveness for their sins. It taught them how to stay healthy and live a moral, godly life. It also taught them how to be set apart and stand out from the other nations and tribes of that day. The Israelites glorified God through obeying the law. However, in the New Testament, after Jesus Christ has died and risen again for our sins, the author of Hebrews says this. Sacrifices and offerings you, God, have not desired. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. That's Hebrews 10 verse 5 to 6. So now we've got a problem. On the one hand, in the Old Testament, there's um, an instruction after instruction and book after book involving the required offerings and sacrifices that must be made in order to be made right before God and to please him. But here in the New Testament, it's saying God doesn't want these things. Well, that seems like a slight contradiction. In short, the problem was the law was too good and nobody was good enough to keep it. It revealed our sinful nature. That's why God had to send Jesus as our substitute. He was the only one who could fulfill the law. If you want to know more about why Jesus had to die, um, you can check out my brother Peter Farrington's talk here. So if offerings and altars aren't the way forward in worship, well, what is? Let's ask, what does Jesus say about worship? One time when Jesus was out and about in the temple, uh, he gets asked by one of the scribes there, what is the greatest commandment in the law? <clears throat> Jesus replies, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's in Mark 12, verse 30. So this is what I'm talking about when I say a lifestyle of worship. That is worship. Uh, that is worship. Jesus isn't talking about a, a specific action here, but our whole lives. We are to love God and to honor him in everything that we do. It is also a wonderful answer because Jesus is actually quoting two verses from the Old Testament law, which highlights that from the very beginning, God intended us to live a lifestyle of worship. God wasn't 
ever really interested in the one-off act of worship if it wasn't followed up by a long-term permanent devotion to him. It wasn't like he said one thing in the Old Testament and then changed his mind in the New Testament. His intention all along was for us to live a life in faithful obedience to him and his word. In fact, he commands us to do so. Matthew 16 verse 24 to 26 says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? That is what pleases God and brings him glory. Interestingly, it still involves a sacrifice. We sacrifice our lives and offer it up to God so that we might find life in him. Even though God has said he no longer wants the sacrifices and offerings of the Old Testament, there is a new sacrifice required of us, which is to lay down our lives for Jesus. We are called to give up our plans, our dreams and our wants to follow him. Worship involves sacrifice. King David alludes to this in the book of 2 Samuel 24 verse 24, where he says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. Similarly, in Romans 12 verse 1, Paul appeals to the reader, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So why am I making such a deal out of this to begin with? Well, because I think if you're familiar with church and have been in Christian circles for a while, it's become easily, it's become easy to um, only associate worship with singing songs on a Sunday morning. But God wants our whole existence to be about him and to reflect him. If we look into the mirror of our lives, then the reflection we should see is the glory of Jesus. Therefore, the lifestyle of worship that God calls us to is lived out through deliberate acts of worship every day. I do, though, just want to take a moment to say that I think music and singing as is um, an incredibly important part of how God wants us to worship him. That's why... Our Sunday services are filled with music. The book of Psalms in the Old Testament is a book completely devoted to songs and poetry to God. Paul encourages us as Christians to gather regularly, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. That's from Ephesians 5 verse 19. In Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it speaks of how the great multitude of heaven will sing songs of praise and worship to God for eternity. It is also something that I am incredibly passionate about, and I also wish I had more time to talk about with you here. Um, maybe our good hosts today will cover that more later on in um, Conversation Street. But what I felt was really important to highlight to you today is that worship is 
not limited to singing songs and making music. Far from it. You can worship God um, in the way that you love and serve your spouse. You can worship in the way you talk about others. You can worship in the way that you use your gifts and talents. In John's gospel, um, Jesus has a pretty interesting conversation with a woman who's been asking uh, him questions about the Jewish law and sacrifices. He says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's John 4, verse 23 to 24. So what does Jesus mean by worshipping in spirit and truth? Well, let's split it up for a second. So starting with spirit, I think the answer to this is twofold. So firstly, it refers to an inward heartfelt sincerity that you truly believe in what you're worshipping. Um, this might cause you to worship um, outwardly in emotive and expressive ways. Um, for example, in pretty much all of the major sports settings, the crowd or audience express their heartfelt support of whichever team or individual they're cheering on by shouting or singing words of encouragement and affirmation. For some people, this is worship. That sport, that sports person is so important to the supporter's life that it has become worship to them. The second part to this definition of spirit is in reference to the Holy Spirit, the, the third person of the Trinity. It means your life of worship has been breathed on by the Spirit of God and is alive in him. You will know this has happened by the fruit of your worship. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the fruits. Truth means to do this in the knowledge and understanding of what the Bible says about who God is and how he has called us to live. The two work in tandem. So that is how <clears throat> we are called to worship. And every individual act of worship is to be done in spirit and in truth. Acts of worship that come from the heart, that are breathed on by the Holy Spirit and are done in the knowledge of who God is and according to how he has called us to live. So one last thing I wanted to touch on um, before I finish is this. You might be listening to me talking right now and you might be thinking, why does God need us to worship him so badly? Is he so insecure that he needs us mere mortals to pet his ego for him? No. The thing is, God is perfect. He is 100% holy, 100% loving, 100% merciful, 100% gracious, 100% righteous. He is completely good. So think about it like this. If you have children, you would want your kids to make good friends. You might even organise hangouts with certain families because you want your child to be good friends with their child. You know that they'll, uh, you know that they'll be good for your child. Well, it's a bit like that with God. 
God's looking for the best people for us to be with. And actually, that's him. God is the best person for us to spend time with. Why wouldn't we want to be with someone who is all of these things in perfection? God wants us to live a life in relationship with him because he knows he is the best thing for us and is the only one who can bring us complete satisfaction. The psalmist says this, in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16 verse 11. So that's the first part. The second part is this, all of us worship something. All of us devote our lives to something be that our families, our jobs, our hobbies, ourselves, anything. The problem is with that is God does not share his glory with anyone or anything. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says this, my glory I give to no other. God simply refuses for anything else to be on the throne of our lives except him. Why? Again, because he is the only one worthy of it. Only he is perfect. All of these other things disappoint. None of them satisfy. That is why God commands us to worship him. He knows that he is the best thing for us. His glorification is the best thing for us. The old Westminster Catechism puts it like this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So how do we glorify God then? By enjoying him forever. God's glory is his greatest priority and it should be ours too. So part three, if, um, if you're still not convinced by what has been said so far, that God is worthy of your praise, I would encourage you to look to the cross. Look to what Christ did for you on the cross through his death and resurrection. We were once lost forever in sin, so far removed from God's holiness. But through Jesus, we are forgiven and can come into relationship with the God of heaven and earth. The one who breathed the galaxies into being. The one who knew you before time began. The God who is holy, who is perfect in love, perfect in mercy, perfect in grace. He is the only one who satisfies and the only one worthy of worship. To use C.S. Lewis's analogy, don't be like the ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. In other words, don't be content with a life devoted to anything but the best. Thanks, John. What do you think to that? What do you think to, um, to John's talk there? fascinating conversation isn't it um write your questions write your thoughts write them in the comments below because uh, mim and i will be back uh to talk about those in conversation street we've got a whole bunch of questions already so i'm looking forward to this conversation with mim not gonna lie really looking forward to it but well done john enjoyed that conversation it was good to think about some of those things wasn't it so what we are going to do before we go and enter into that conversation is we are going to have a time of worship and reflection. So John talked a little bit in there about singing and music. And whilst that's not the be all and end all of worship, it is one of the ways which we worship God. So which is the reason why we play uh, songs on crap, which 
ironically, John has recorded uh, with his wife. So we're singing a song called Worthy of It All. Uh, and it's worth just pointing out in there, this song is kind of set. Um, it's talking, it talks about how elders cast down their crowns before the Lamb of God. And when it uses this analogy, if you're new to the Christian uh, faith, the elders, basically the people that have gone before us and the crowns, the Bible talks about how we get this sort of crown, this reward uh, when we're in heaven for what we've, you know, for basically for what we've done in some respects. But it's this this reward. And 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 what is happening is all the people that get this crown from God are just basically going, all this is for you. I'm laying it down for you at your feet. I'm, it was all worth it. You're worth it. And so they're putting their crowns down at the feet of God. And it's a beautiful analogy that actually it's not a wasted life, that actually it's a life worth living. It's a meaningful life, as we like to call it. Um, and so when you read that, that's in effect what's going on. The other thing to note in this song is it talks about how day and night incense arises before God. And it's, again, another beautiful uh, picture of what's happening in the throne room of heaven, that as we pray and as we worship God, the Bible talks about how they come up like incense before his throne. I don't know if you've got any of those candles which you just adore the smell of. And whenever they're lit, you're just... It's just so beautiful and it's nice and it's wonderful and you just love it. Well, that's what our worship is like before God. And day and night, this incense arises uh, as people praise him and worship him. And it's a beautiful thing of what's going on. So we're going to do the worship now. If you're able, sing along, join in. Otherwise, just read the words um, and just mull them over, chew on them. And then Mim and I will be back in just a few short minutes to do Conversation Street. So do get busy writing your questions and ideas and thoughts in the comments below. I'll see you in just a few.
Welcome back. Mim, we're going to get into this whole thing about worship. Yes, we are. And uh, I put there in the comments just uh, so you know, if you want to listen to a lot of the songs that John and Anna Grace and Josh and the team and all those guys have worked hard on doing, 
You can check them out in the YouTube playlist, which I posted in the comments, uh, both on Facebook and YouTube. Depending on where you're watching, you can go ahead and just watch that and listen to it to your heart's content because they do have some talent, it seems, uh, do the Farringtons. Um, and John is actually also moderating the comments. So be sure to say hi to John. Uh, he's in the comments, so say hello to him as well. I'm sure he'll appreciate it. So Mim, first time at Crowd, first time hosting. What did you think to John's talk? Well, it was fantastic. Yeah, John was great. <laughs> I don't actually know if there's another answer to that question with the way I answered I know. it. But... Well, the thing is, he covered it in so much detail. I was very, very thorough. Really enjoyed mm. it. Thanks a lot, John. Yeah. Yeah, well done, John. Well done, John. It is, as he says, a passion uh, of his worship. And it seems to me, Mim, right, like uh, I've been a Christian a little while now. been around a few years. There are Christians who have... Uh, we, we we love to use the word passion in church, don't we? I have a passion for worship. Some people have a passion for prayer. Some people have a passion for serving. Some, um, I would maybe use the word calling. Do you know what I mean? There's another phrase in there, calling. Do you share that sort of same sense of passion and, I, uh, and calling maybe that John shares when it comes to worship? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I'm quite a musical person so in a musical sense in the music form of worship I have been very kind of submerged in that my entire life so it's mm. something that I've grown up with being surrounded by hearing lots of learning lots of instru instruments attending church all my life so I've kind of been immersed in in that kind of music form of worship and also had great example from my parents of kind of acting out daily worship mm. i like that lifestyle of worship that john was talking about so i've mm. had such a great example really throughout my life so yeah it's kind of just kind of integrated into who i am now i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's part of who you are mm. and is that why because I mean, I mean doing worship at church is quite an interesting thing i mean in one sense you're on the stage um and it's great and it's wonderful but on the other sense there's all the prep there's all the hard work behind the scenes that you what should we sing? What should we do? How do we do it? And then there's, of course, you're looking out over a bunch of people in church that might not want to worship God that day that are just a little bit really? sluggish. So it's not all glamour and glitz, I'm fairly sure. But um, but do you find there is a difference between worshipping God on the stage and worshipping God in this lifestyle that John was talking about, this day to day? Yeah, in terms of your day-to-day -day worship often is very practical and in the normal things of your day-to-day -day life, absolutely. It's watching what you say and how you behave and act towards each other, how you treat your husband, your children, how you kind of interact with the people you work with or study with. Mm. Um, yeah, it's much more beyond that singing a song on a Sunday morning, definitely. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think... Um, the Bible talks about how both blessing and curse can come out of the same mouth. There's this really interesting scripture, you know, it's like, how is this even possible? How can you praise God with your lips and yet at the same time do all these other crazy things? And for so long, I think people have thought that if worship is about singing songs in church, I'm okay. But what John drew out, which I thought was really interesting, what you've just alluded to there, is actually worship is not just about singing songs in church. It is about how you talk about people. It is about how you treat your husband or your wife. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think that's the way it is? 
because I I think God made us to worship him. Mm. So I think everything about us, us is intended to glorify God. So we need to make sure that every kind of tiny detail of our life, when we look at it, reflects God's glory. And if it reflects God's glory, then other people will see God's glory. And that's what we're called to do and be for other people. So can I ask you a really obvious question then? Um, yeah. I think I know the answer, but I just want to I, I just want to just clarify some terms. What do you think it means to glorify God? So if worship is glorifying to God, what does that actually mean to give glory to God? Is it like something I have in a bag that I can just give to him? I mean, do you know what I mean? It's a really interesting phrase, isn't it? What does it mean to glorify yeah. God? Well, I, th- I think first it's important to understand that, uh, you know, when John was talking about how we worship in spirit and truth, it has to be kind of born out of that relationship with God in the first place. Mm. So when we spend time with God and we are uh, learning about him and his truth and how he uh, sees us as people and how he sees other people, that in turn, as the more time we spend kind of dwelling on that and thinking about that and wondering about how that um, will kind of live out in our own lives, the mm. more it kind of just oozes out of us. So all the good things that God is and God speaks about and all the truth that he kind of talks about in the Bible should, as we as it goes into us, should then come out the other side. And I think that's the bit that gives glory to God because it goes right back in this kind of circle all the way back to God who kind of told us all about it in the first place. Um, and yeah. I think a useful analogy actually is um, when we have that, you know, I think most people would have been in love. And um, when we're in love with somebody, uh, they they kind of love us, we love them, and we just immerse ourselves in them. We think about them all the time. We talk to them. We want to spend time with them. We spend our money on them. We think about gifts we can get for them. and And in the end, we end up kind of, merging in mm. a way you end up kind of becoming like that person because you spend so much time with that mm. person mm. And I remember coming home from school and my mum used to know exactly who I'd spent time with <laughs> <laughs> she'd be like you talk, you're talking just like them and why are you saying that and you've been spending time with that girl haven't you or that person and you know so you mm. know who who you're prioritizing and who you are um, devoting your passion and your attention mm. to what because it naturally then comes out of you that's a really interesting point but i mean the bible says that bad company corrupts good character and it, i it, i do i get this point that who you hang around is who you become do you know what i mean it's a really interesting mm. idea and so uh, this idea that if i worship god and hang around god i am going to become like god uh, or more godly uh, more godlike is, yeah. is is quite interesting. Tracy's put here in the comments: Is it safe to say that we were built for worship, and therefore are always worshiping, uh, and we should make a conscious decision to worship God? That's a good question, Tracy. Thanks for your question. What do you think, Mim? Yeah, I think that's that's a great way to summarise it. Really, um, I think the intention is always there to mm. to reflect um god's glory and to to bring that worship back to god absolutely mm. um, so i think i think whether or not 
you know, whatever we're doing, we're sending out a message. We're either worshiping God by what we do or we're not. I think it's very clear in the Bible, um, you know, that we, you know, we're we're choosing the right way or mm. we're going the opposite way and there's no in between. So, mm. yeah, we've got to be careful. And, you know, we're not perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. We're going to fly off the handle and we're going to do and say. I wrong. can't believe you would do that for one minute, Mim. I hold it all in and then I erupt like a volcano. There it is. Yeah, ugly to see. Uh, but no, you know, we're, we're real people, aren't we? Mm. We're, we're going to make mistakes, but God is really gracious. And, mm. you know, I think he's not a God who who goes, you know, picks up on all the wrong things that we're doing, but He is he's gracious with us and he just gently goes, actually. And I think mm. you know, don't you? You know in your gut, oh, that was the wrong thing to do. And, you know, next time we'll do better. So what do you think? Um, what do you think Tracy's talking about where she says here, should we make a conscious decision to worship God? A conscious decision, I think, is, mm. is quite interesting language. Um, do you make a conscious? I mean, they're, they're, I guess if I'm, you know, I listen to you, I listen to John and, and I've been around church and, and heard people talk about this. There are things that we do by default, the way we are, the way that we act. Um, and then sometimes there are times when we deliberately have to do something where we are intentional. We make a conscious decision to do things like worship God, like we don't always feel like worshiping God, worshiping God, but we make a decision to do that. Have you experienced that, for example? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I was just saying, actually, yesterday I had an awful day. Just things just were very, very wrong and um, <laughs> on all different levels. Um, but, I, you know, things were creeping in, lies mm. about me, about my family. And um, this morning I had to make a conscious decision in church to sing out truth. Mm. Um, and actually, as I sang out that truth, um you know, God then speaks into the lies. So when we feel like actually we can't worship or, you know, we have nothing to bring by choosing to worship, um, God just really meets you where you are and gives you exactly what you need in that moment. Um, so, yeah. I, was that yeah, your experience today? Absolutely. Yeah. That was my experience this morning. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, which is good. And I think you're right. I think, Tonight, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think, it's good to I, I do think I, when people see worship leaders, sometimes I think they just there are certain perceptions that people have about Jimmy and various different people in church. And it's not all, you know, floating on rainbows and singing beautiful songs. Um, there are some real hard decisions that we have to make and some key decisions, uh, key choices that you have to make. And actually, the, the conscious decision to worship God, irrespective of whether you feel like it or whether you don't, is a supreme act of faith and love, I think, because you you're actually going it doesn't in some respects i i this is how i feel i'm not denying it i'm acknowledging how i feel but in spite of that god you are still worthy of my worship whatever it is that i can bring it might not be a whole great deal right now but whatever it is you can take it right and and, and i i can bring what i can and it's not going to be perfect it's not going to be in tune it might be full of tears and emotion but at, at least it's there right absolutely yeah yeah, I think there's there's this kind of um, 
what, how, how do I describe it? Like a pull between um, your sinful self. The Bible talks about your sinful self, or we'll call that kind of your human worldly self and your spiritual self. And, um, you know, that pull between the two and whichever one you feed the most wins. So mm. in that kind of earthly moment yesterday that I had of, oh, this is awful. This is terrible. I feel like this. And, you know, I was feeding that yesterday and feeling terrible and actually mm. this morning when I chose to connect with my spiritual self and connect my spirit to God's spirit that's when God breaks through mm. and when you feed that side um, God can speak truth into what seems a hopeless situation or a, a situation where you know you're feeling that terrible or mm. you know something happened um yeah that's when the moment of breakthrough can happen um and i think the choices is an important thing isn't it because mm. god doesn't ever forces to do anything he doesn't say you you must you know worship him do it now and he, he can't force us we have to choose to yeah. do it and it's that intentional connection with god and he loves it and he just goes yeah great yeah, yeah. i'm so glad you came to me here you go here's what you need for today so, yeah. yeah, that's great. I always think worship is an invitation, not an instruction. Yeah. And um, and it's interesting because, again, John talked about this. Um, you know, why does God need us to worship him so badly? Is he just some kind of ego maniac? And the Bible tells us clearly, um, Paul wrote about this in Corinthians. He said that love, talking about God, is not self-seeking. Um, and so God is not self-seeking. Uh, but worship is part of who we are. It's part of our being. Now, you talked a lot about um, going to church this morning and actually I, I didn't tell you this on the live stream what was lovely was I stood at the back of church this morning and I saw uh, I caught you and Andy out the corner of my eye had his arm around you whilst you were doing some worship and hugging in and it was sweet and it was lovely and I love that you two were worshiping together this morning and that was great are there forms of worship that don't involve music was one of the questions and I know John's touched a little bit about like how you talk about your wife but are there other forms of worship that you can do, for example, that don't involve music? Yeah, absolutely. I think anything could be worship to God if you do it well and you do it for him. So mm -hmm. doing it well just means that when John talks about, um, you know, doing it in spirit and in truth, that kind yeah. of the whole involving your whole self and doing it to glorify God. If you do mm -hmm. something to glorify yourself, it's not work. Well, it is worship. You're worshiping yourself. Um, but if you do it to glorify God, then yes, anything, you know, God's given us talents. He's given mm. us, you know, places to work and people to be with and to live with. And if we do all that to glorify him, that absolutely is part of worship. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've seen. I mean, God's a supremely creative being, it seems. Uh, and he has very creative people that do very creative things to worship God. And I've seen people do everything from singing to dance to painting to whatever. Do you know what I mean? There's all kinds of things. going. Now, I have to be honest with you. I'm I'm a simple bloke. Right. Which means a lot of it I don't get. Right. It's not as we say in England. It's not my cup of tea. But you know what? That's okay because I'm just wired differently and I don't have to do things like everybody else because I have my own relationship with God and I can worship God in ways that make sense for me. Like I like to go out for long walks, for example. Um, would you, would you, have you seen, I guess, this worship comparison thing in church which says, there is there is this pattern there is this sort of thing which says i have to worship god this way and 
And if I don't, then it's then obviously there's something wrong with me. Do you know what I mean? Have you seen that or come across that? I think maybe in the sense of, you know, you see people up on the stage, you know, and people who work for church, and maybe you think their form of worship is more kind of godly or spiritual. And, you know, I just work in a hospital or I work in an office and how can, you know, my worship isn't quite as good. But that is absolutely not the case. Um, we were talking this morning, all credit to Sue and Chris Holcomb, who were sharing about how they, um, you know, how they work out their relationship with God in their workplace. Mm. Um, and it's so important because, yeah. you know, if we're all stuck in a church, working in church, then we wouldn't be amongst people who need to see the glory of God and us, us worshiping God with our lives. Mm. So we need to be out there doing our everyday forms of worship and, you know, living that example um, of who God is to people who don't know God. Yeah, that's a very good point. And it's worth pointing out that Chris and Sue Holcomb uh, are going to be with us next week uh, on our live stream next week. They're hosting with me, actually. We're talking about what does the Bible say about health? It will become clear why Chris and Sue Holcomb are joining us next week uh, when we talk about health. But they are. So do come join us for that because Chris and Sue, legends, just legends in the making. Uh, Tracy says, my husband says that protecting our worship and not letting distraction in is important. Now, this is a this brings me back, actually, to something um, that we started to touch on a bit earlier, that worship. Uh, obviously, you went, you decided you were going to go to church this morning and sing and worship because of rubbish that happened yesterday. What would happen tomorrow morning when church isn't open? What kind of things do you do to um, yourself in your own personal life? I mean, not everybody might do this, but how do, how do, how do you bring worship into your daily life other than talking well about your husband um, and uh, protecting your worship and not getting distracted? Yeah, I think that's really important because I think nowadays, um, I don't think many of us feel like we have large amounts of time to yeah. devote to, you know, spending hours and hours reading our Bible and praying and all mm. that, those kind of forms of worship. So, you know, apart from acting out, um, you know, worship to others and within our workplace, it's just grabbing those moments. So for me, I have worship music on in the car on the way to and from school drop-off pickup, on the way to work and back. So I, I take those snippets of time in the car um, for worship, musical mm. worship. Um, and then generally I read a, a book by Max Lucado a very long time ago. I hate Old reading books. He, yeah, he's, he's okay. so good at writing yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, very good. Easy yeah. to read, yeah. And he uh, wrote one... Um, Oh, I can't even remember the name now. It's something to do with walking with Jesus or every day with Jesus or something like that. Mm. Um, and it talks about, you know, including God. God wants to be included in every mm. part of your day. So when you wake up in the morning, morning, God, mm. when you go to choose what clothes you want to wear, just include God. Oh, well, God, mm. what shall I wear today? Just literally try and have that ongoing. It's that relationship, isn't it? it is. And not just. And there are there are definitely off. people in church that I think need to pray that prayer. <laughs> God, what should I wear today? Because he would not want you to wear that. <laughs> I'm just being a bit catty. Sorry about that, but uh, that was just what was in my head. Sorry, Min, when you when you when you were talking there. I know. I know that sounds very silly, doesn't it? And that is probably quite a silly, like 
yeah, a silly answer that made you laugh. No, no, but, I think it's important. I think what you're saying is right, that yeah, draw yeah. got into the... See, for me, I have to be honest with you, I don't do the worship music in the car that often. Um, I like to listen to podcasts and teaching in the car. It's just the way my brain works, right? And this is, yeah. I think this is part of the thing. You've got to find what works for you. I like to journal. So the first thing, one of the things I do in the morning is I get up with my computer, just because this, this is the way that I'm wired, and I like to journal, right? And just all of that, for me, worshiping God in journaling is really, re and praying and doing all that sort of stuff whilst I'm writing stuff down works so well for me. Um, but for you, it's it's taking those times in the car to, to sing and to, to listen to to worship music. Can I ask you a really practical question? Yes. What is some good worship music to listen to in the car at the moment? What's what's oh. what's hip and trendy? Because you know you're a worship leader and you know all the worship songs that have ever been written, right? Uh, no. But, uh, <laughs> we were talking about this before, weren't we? Yes, Matt. In alphabetical <laughs> order and yes, by artist and album. No. Um, I love Maverick City. I think that they are a group who do. Um, spontaneous worship very well mm. corporate worship um, Bethel Music obviously great artists out of Bethel mm. Music I love um, Brandon Lake uh, so, and also Influence Music oh my gosh Influence Music get on that yeah love it anything okay. that's really kind of soulful okay people, I have to be honest with you in, in spirit and truth, I think. I think yeah, if yeah. I can see somebody going, ah, 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 yes, God, I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's go take the hill. That's that's what you want. I've not actually heard of Maverick. Uh, did you say Maverick? Maverick music? Maverick City, yeah. Maverick City, sorry. Mm -hmm. When you say Maverick, I'm thinking Top Gun, showing my age. <laughs> um, but yeah, Maverick City, I'll go check those mm -hmm. out. And uh, Bethel Music, what was the other one you mentioned? Influence music. Influence music. I will mm. go check that out. Uh, yeah. Tracy Twist has the great "I Am" by Elam Sound. Yeah. Have you? Do you know what that? Do you know that one? Had that, oh, no. Yeah, had that song at my wedding actually. Ah. Yeah, great song. To the hottie with his Andy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. So. I think we'll end our conversation street there. Uh, thank you, Mim, uh, for your... I'm just looking down the questions here. What is biblical worship we've talked about? Um, do, here's a question, actually, uh, and then we'll end it. Does the type of music matter, do you think? No, absolutely not. I mean, uh, in the Old Testament, they go on about harps and crashing cymbals and lyres and flutes and, yeah... I think God is a God of all and any music, any instruments, any voice. He doesn't care as long as you bring it to him. That's the important thing. He loves it. That will end it right there. That's a good place to end it. And it's good for me because if he was after tuneful voices, I would not be able to sing. I'm just pointing that out. I would not be able to. I just, I just no. No, no, no. Can't carry a tune in a bucket, as they say. But that's okay. So no, what does the Bible say about worship? That was a fantastic conversation. Uh, anything you want to add before we move on to the next bit? No, just thank you good? very much for having oh, us. It's been great. great to see you. Uh, it's been great, haven't you? So uh, before you go, tell the good folks what's coming up next week, though. 
because so you wrote it down up, right you wrote it down so we did i wrote it down coming up next week is sue and chris holcomb speaking about what does the bible say about health and i can't wait so i'm going to tune in yeah yeah come tune in as we talk about health uh what it means to be a healthy christian and yes we are going to talk about physical health we're going to talk about body health we're going to get into the whole nine yards next week with uh chris and with sue and myself so do come join us for that make sure you like and subscribe reach out to us on the website uh, crowd.church if you like to mim every time someone comes on for the first time i'm surprised matt cruz not reminded me in the comments actually uh we ask those ho hosting for the first time to point to the whatsapp number on the screen so if you could point to that while i tell the good folks why oh. it's there, oh. <laughs> there yeah. go. oh my gosh is that why you do this just to make a fool out of us yeah totally we've all been there it's like an initiation <laughs> and just so everybody could see your red nails that was the other reason yeah, yeah, those stonkingly red. I don't, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you want to get in touch with us via the WhatsApp number, you can do. If there's any prayer requests you want to send through, please do so. Any questions that you've got, you can reach out to us on that or via the website crowd.church, which you can see there. Uh, uh, there we go, Matt Cruz, put in the comments, points to the number. A little bit late, Matt. A little bit late. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So thank you so much for joining us. The way we are going to close out the live stream, we're going to play one more worship track called Zion. Um, and this very similar setting to the last song we had talks about the elders, uh, in, but it talks about uh, worshiping God in heaven, in this heavenly Jerusalem, the city of God, the throne room of God. It is a beautiful track. Do join along with it. Uh, but that is all from myself and Mim. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will see you next week. And I'm looking forward to it. So bye from me. Bye, everybody. All right. <laughs> bless you guys. Have a good week. Bye for now. We have come to Mount Zion, city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. By his blood we have come We have come So
thousands more sing out new songs Elders throw their crowns down As all of heaven sings out Worthy is the one Fall.